Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It is Super Bowl week, and the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs are getting ready to play a pretty big game. The Tennessee Titans, like every other team in the NFL that's not San Francisco and Kansas City, getting on with the with their offseason business. In the case of the Titans, they have officially announced the hiring of their offensive and defensive coordinators. There have been reports of other coaches hired. And for the second straight week, reports of a coach with direct connection to Denard Walker will be a part of the staff, which uh, so we will get we will get more valuable insight, firsthand insight this week on this week in Believe in Titans with former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, welcome in. What's going on this evening, David? Not a not a whole lot. Uh, John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, welcome in. Oh, thank you. Uh, good to be with you guys. And I am David Beauclair. And uh, before we get into the Titans, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that it, that it is Super Bowl week. Uh, Media Day has has come and gone. Uh, the, you know, there's Taylor Swift questions that that will continue throughout okay. the week. Denard, Denard, we won't we won't ask you to uh, to to bring up you know to revisit the game. We we know uh, you know you you've been brutally honest about. Uh, about how things went there numerous times, but uh, media day was was that fun? Was that torturous? What what was that like for you? That uh, well, you just said it, torturous. <laughs> the, fact to, the fact that we have to meet with you guys—that's the worst part of the uh, experience. Did, did you get any just any ridiculous questions <laughs> that day? Oh my gosh, uh, I tried to forget. They've asked so many dumb questions about what you like to eat uh, before a game, after the game. Like, it's the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. Uh, and that's the thing about it is the uh, is the media where you have to do that, uh, where they have all of the media people come out. And, and that's just a part of the uh, what we like to call the experience. But for the most part, it's actually pretty cool because I got a chance to meet um, – Dale Hansen, who's a big time sportscaster here in Dallas or was for about 30 or 40 years. And I remember as a kid watching him every Sunday night. So he was there in Atlanta. So for me and Joe Bowden, we had a just what we call like a little miniature fight because we grew up. He grew up in Mesquite. I grew up in Garland right next to each other. So getting a chance to meet Dale Hansen was a dream come true for me. Yeah, D- Dale Hansen. I, uh, it, you know, I, I grew up in Philadelphia. Went to school at SMU, and uh, and and I thought I knew what good sports reporters were until I, uh, still I started watching Dale Hansen. His Sunday night sports show, oh, was, you, you couldn't you couldn't miss it. And for for people who don't realize, the Tuesday media day is a day that includes a lot of media that is not necessarily even NFL media. Like I remember that day in Atlanta, like, like downtown Julie Brown from MTV running around acting like she owned the place, but (laughs) she, I mean, you, you couldn't not notice her. I mean, one, she's beautiful Two, She's, she's just got charisma for days and you just like, you could just, just, there's just a buzz around her. And she was, uh, yeah, I eventually had to, uh, I eventually had to just sort of, 
take a step back, think, okay, what am I doing here? Because you you know, there's so much going on. And uh, for for me, as I was working at the Murfreesboro Daily News Journal at the time, I I had to tell myself I'm treating this like any other day. I'm working on my football stories for the week, and and in fact, I tried to for the most part stayed away from the Eddie Georges and Steve McNairs because trying to get questions in with them was was just terrible and i went to guys further down the roster and got some got some different angles to work with but uh john as as you look ahead to this sunday's game uh where where do you see it uh turning how how, you know who do you think is uh is the difference maker and who wins i feel like you know one of those uh you pick with your head or your heart kind kind of deal like I feel like if, if I break it all down on paper that, that maybe the 49ers are a better all-round team. I mean, we know what kind of great weapons they have on offense. They've, they've been a, a, a you know a strong defense for the most part. There have been some lapses. Um, but, you know, emotionally, I, I find it difficult to pick against Patrick Mahomes uh, right now, the way he's playing. And in another big game like this, I, I just keep feeling like Patrick Mahomes finds a way to to get things done. You know, we, we saw him do it at at Buffalo in, in one of the playoff games and one of the really the rare instances where, where maybe they weren't favored to to win. And then up against uh, at, at Baltimore uh, as well. I think Kansas City is playing maybe its best football of the, of the season right now. Um, and I'm not positive. The, the the 49ers are playing as well uh, as the Chiefs. You know their their playoff games have been uh, tighter. You know they've they've trailed. I believe in both uh, games. Um, you know and and I just have that gut feel that that whatever uh, whatever needs to to be done, Patrick Mahomes is going to do it and and give the Chiefs uh, a close victory in the Super Bowl. Denard, where what do you think is the key to this game? Who wins it? You know, it's 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 hard for me to say this because Patrick Mahomes is so good, especially the bigger the stage. But to me, it's that Chiefs defense. I mean, how many times have we talked about how good that defense has been playing? I mean, they held Baltimore to, was it 10 points? And, I mean, their ability yeah. to contain Lamar Jackson. So it hasn't been really that offense of the Chiefs. It's that defense that's making a lot of noise. Yeah, it, 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 it the Chiefs defense – is you know in in this run they've had this feels like the best defense that that team has had and and, and Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes and that that you know I, I'm I'm with you John I think this in a game like this you know there, there's a noticeable difference between these quarterbacks and uh, yes Brock Purdy is is a great story as the last pick in the draft and and yes he's he's accurate and he makes quick decisions and and but you know he's not Patrick Mahomes and I think uh, I think we have to start talking about Patrick Mahomes as one of the uh, as one of the greatest quarterbacks in in the history of the game already and and he's relatively young to start having that conversation but uh but he's what second or third all time in career playoff wins already behind only you know Tom Brady's got a long way to go to catch Tom Brady but uh I, I you know the, the Chiefs they 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 did not look like a Super Bowl team to me for much of the year they sort of have gotten through it they've made believers out of me now so I I I think the Chiefs too so now that we've all said that you can, everybody can go throw their money on the 49ers because that sounds uh 
that sounds like a kiss of death. But on to the Titans, because this is, of course, Believe in Titans. And uh, as I mentioned, they uh, they have officially announced their coordinators. We uh, we talked about defensive coordinator Denard Wilson uh, at length last week. We we got into the the offensive coordinator candidates a little bit. The uh, the ultimate choice is uh, Nick Holtz, who does not have a huge coaching resume. Uh, certainly doesn't have a lot of experience as a play caller, but he uh, he's a high school friend, a longtime friend of of Coach Brian Callahan, and uh, comes after after one season as the passing game coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Thirty nine years old, uh, John Glennon. This is this a good move? Is this uh, is this an underwhelming move in your mind? What do you think? I, I'm I'm not completely sold on this being being a great move. I mean, I guess the, maybe the first thing we have to remember is that he's not going to be the play caller anyway. Brian Brian Callahan has already said he's going to be the play caller, so that responsibility is is not on his shoulders. Um, but you know, uh, I, I I feel like he's had you know some some decent success, but just not a lot of it. It, it just seems like that there was another step to be taken. Uh, for for Nick Holtz before he got to this level, I really like the the qualifications of of Eric Studisville, who was another guy that that they interviewed, uh, who had you know experience at different positions in different roles. He'd been an offensive coordinator. He seemed like a a guy that that you know Brian Callahan could really lean on because of his experience and because of their their shared relationship as well. And and I wonder if if uh, you know Brian Callahan maybe sets himself up. You know, for a little criticism here, because as you mentioned, David, these guys go way back. They were they were high school teammates, high school buddies, and you know, if if things don't go well for the offense, well, first of all, Brian Callahan is going to take most of the blame there because he'll be the play caller. But secondly, you know, you're you're setting yourself up for a little criticism because you people are going to be saying, "Oh, well, you what do you expect when you hire your old high school buddy? Uh, you know, who didn't have an incredible resume coming into this job? You know, so I, I think." Maybe you know you you set yourself up in, in not the greatest position, and you set Nick Holtz up in in not a great position either. When you look at what he did last year as the Jaguars' uh, passing game coordinator, Trevor Lawrence's numbers were were a little bit down. Uh, the passing yardage was about the same overall. Um, some of the things uh, you know we talked about a little bit last week in terms of his qualifications. Uh, one thing we have all really liked about him. He, he was uh, under five different head coaches in Oakland, a survivor, clearly valued by by a lot uh, of different people. Uh, you know, and, and maybe on a, on a slightly different note, uh, you know, the one year he was an offensive coordinator before was in college, not in the pros, as a UNLV in 2022. Uh, he took a team that was averaging about 20 points a game, 76th, uh, or excuse me, yeah, 76th in the country, and brought them up uh, about a touchdown in in one year, which is pretty good considering you don't really have control of the personnel that much. So I like there are things to like about Nick Holtz. I just feel like there was maybe that one more step to be taken before becoming offensive coordinator, whether it was being the quarterback's coach for two, three years, maybe in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, this this is a guy who as recently as four years ago, 
was a quality control coach, which uh, if people don't know what that is, that's basically entry level coaching in the NFL. He was the uh, he, he was the quality control coach on offense for the uh, the Raiders from 2018 to 2020, and then uh, and then has had a rise from there. I mean, the the one thing you you obviously know is that he is going to be on the same page with Brian Callahan right from the get go. There's not going to be a a learning curve there for what each other thinks or how they think or how they look at the game. They've obviously known each other a long time, but uh, uh, Denard, do, do you see this as a, uh, a as a risky move or, or does that, uh, does that longstanding connection make this, uh, make this a solid hire for Brian Callahan? I don't think it makes a solid hire. I mean, when you look at the resume, I mean, you know, John just pointed it out. I mean, he's only had what one year of really calling the plays and think about it. He broke in what coaching in what 2007. What was interesting? It was at the University of Nebraska, and you know who the head coach was then, right? That was Papa Callahan. Was Papa, Bill Callahan, Papa, Papa of was, course. Yes. So, and what was interesting is that when you look at this hire, Brian and actually Nick, they go back to high school. They were all teammates uh, at De La Salle High School with uh, Maurice Jones Drew. I know that area down in. Concord, California. I used to go out there a lot because I lived in the Bay Area. And what was interesting that these two go back since high school. So a lot of times when you think about when Nick has gotten hired, has been by somebody he knows in, in the Callahan family. So when you're looking at an offense that was stagnant and was kind of in and out last year because of some of the injuries, you want somebody that's really familiar with calling a game. Now I know I know right now Brian's already said he's going to be the offensive coordinator. What's interesting, uh, David and John, I want to ask you this. Because Brian's going to take over the play calling, do you think the reason that he hired Nick in the first place is because maybe he knows the way he wants things kind of set up? Because that's what happens with the offensive offensive coordinator. He gets that role, but the head coach is going to end up calling the plays. He just wants him to kind of get everything set up for him, and then he'll make that call. Do you think that's why he made the hire because of the familiarity? familiarity between the two yeah I, I would I would think that has a lot to do with it and that he can say you know they'll, they'll have a meeting what on on Tuesday morning probably to talk about the game plan and 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 Brian Callahan will say these are the things I want in wow. and uh and Nick Holtz then will probably put those things in I, I would think without a lot of a lot of question a lot of discussion or a lot of argument uh, in most cases because uh I would assume they they see things the same way, right. and uh, um, you know we we talked about it. Brian Callahan talked about uh, how Zach Taylor sort of brought him along under the, a, a similar situation in Cincinnati, where Taylor was the play caller and Callahan was the offensive coordinator. So uh, you know Brian Callahan at least has a template on how this works, and uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do it with a friend of his. The, the interesting there is an interesting little aspect to to Nick Holtz though. If if you uh, if you look at his his playing career, such as it was when he was in high school as a as a high school senior, he was named De La Salle's most inspirational player, and then. Uh, then he uh, he was a walk on at Colorado, where his claim to fame there was he was the holder for Mason Crosby for three years. Mason Crosby, of course, has had a long and productive career in the NFL, and uh, 
uh, he ultimately there won the regiment award, which goes to the Colorado player who makes the greatest contribution with the least recognition. So there, I guess there's a certain Rudy esque aspect to, to Nick Holtz and, uh, in the way he inspires people around him without being front and center. So as an offensive coordinator who, who's not going to be calling plays, that that's a that's a personality trait i would guess that serves him particularly well if uh if he can translate it to this role because uh you know he will be running some meetings he will be he will have you know contact i guess with every member of the offense to to some degree and if he can be that same sort of inspirational and and passionate guy he can uh he, he can have an effect in some meaningful way. And we'll see, uh, we'll see how that plays out Uh, among the, uh, among the coaches who reportedly have been hired, but have not been officially confirmed by the team yet is uh, again, I mentioned this at the top, a a guy, you know, well, Denard, Steve Jackson, who will be working uh, with the defensive backs. Uh, Steve Jackson was a, was a longtime cornerback with the Oilers and Titans. And in fact, in that Super Bowl season we referenced earlier was, was a really interesting piece in that he was towards the back end of his career at that point, dealing with a, a, a bad knee. And correct me if I'm wrong, Denard, but my recollection is that, that Jeff Fisher and Greg Williams held Steve Jackson out of numerous games and sort of saved him for the really important ones like mm-hmm. against Jacksonville and and whatnot and and other ones where they thought he could have it, really do something meaningful I guess in in particular matchups I think which speaks to to you know just how smart a guy he is and and how how much you can count on him is is that correct do I do I remember that correctly yeah, you know, Steve, what happened was he was got injured a lot kind of the back end around, uh, I'll say about 97 because I actually stepped in in the absence of Steve when he got injured. And so the the the, the knack on Steve a lot of times, he would, he would find a way to get hurt in training camp. So he would spend pretty <laughs> – <laughs> he would be – he would always pull something in training camp and be out about three weeks, and then he'll finally make his way back. Magically uh, be ready yeah, for the start of the regular season, deal. huh? But very smart, uh, Steve. You know, it's interesting, uh, David. Um, Steve actually was in Washington back in 2000. What was it? Probably around 2005 when Greg Williams was a defensive coordinator, and Greg hired him out there to be the secondary coach. So what Steve is going to bring to this secondary is he's going to bring kind of a, a toughness. And that's the thing about Bill. We call him Billy Ray. Uh, he'll bring a little bit of enthusiasm and he'll bring excitement to that room. I think when you got these young corners, Christian Fulton, McCrary, Sean Murphy, Button, Kayla Farley, they're going to benefit with Steve because he's he, he played the game for 10 years and he knows how to put guys uh, in a situation to succeed. He's like Jerry Gray, a former player, He's going to, he's not just, you're not going to be robotic. He's going to do a lot of scheming. He's going to do a lot of uh, different coverages and he's going to bring a new element to that room. So I'm excited about this hard because you, you got a former player that played for a long time. So he knows how to put guys in position to succeed in this league. John, we, you know, we, we've talked about the, the issues in the secondary, uh, 
we don't know if Christian Fulton is back. I, I would presume he's not. But a guy like Caleb Farley, who has who has struggled to get his footing in the NFL, is uh, is certainly going to be back. A, a, a an undrafted guy like Trey Avery, who has had had good moments. I would say more bad moments than, than good. He'll he'll be back fighting for a roster spot again. There there was the you know you're going to have a new secondary sort of hierarchy with the first full season without Kevin Byard. How big uh how big a hire is this? How important whether you know whether it was Steve Jackson or whomever it was going to be, how important a, a hire is this for Brian Callahan? I think it's it's very important because that issue, even you know, even when the Titans defenses have been good in recent years, it seems like that the secondary has been the sore spot. Uh you know, even the, the Titans the last few years a decent job you know, pressuring the quarterback, not great, but, but pretty decent. Um, but, but even so, you know, the, the X plays, we've talked about how often uh, that has hurt the Titans in the last couple of years. Uh, the the penalties, you know, we saw time and time again this past year, how penalties in the secondary hurt the Titans. So this is a, this is a big hire. Uh, and I'm interested too, um, where, how, how Brian Callahan is going to piece this together now they did see a, a report earlier today. Uh, our, our our old comrade uh, Paul Koharski um, indicated that there's a good chance now, according to to Paul, that, that the Titans may stick with Chris Harris in some form or fashion. Um, so maybe Chris Harris is the secondary coach. I guess maybe Steve Jackson is is a cornerbacks guy. I, I guess if, if that transpires. But I'll be interested to see how that. But two two things uh, are, are that we should point out too regarding Steve Jackson. He worked with uh, Denard Wilson, the new defensive coordinator, uh, as an assistant defensive back uh, with the Jets in 2018 and 2019. So there's a lot of familiarity there. And then Denard, uh, excuse me, um, and then Steve Jackson went to Cincinnati, hired there by Zach Taylor, uh, and was on the same staff, coaching staff as Brian Callahan. So he already has a lot of familiarity with both the head coach and the uh, defensive coordinator. So I think that'll that'll help with the transition. But yeah, you're right. This is a position cornerback, especially where we're going to see a lot of overhaul from last year. I, I don't think Christian Fulton will be back. Uh, I'm not sure if Caleb Farley ever ever plays again. Um, you know, so and and Sean Murphy Bunting is is going to be a free agent probably too. So there's going to be a lot of new faces in there. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a a, a key assistant for, for Brian Callahan. Yeah, Denard, you referenced Jerry Gray, who, of course, was your defensive backs coach with the Titans and, and Steve Jackson in that same secondary. And, and one thing that always impressed me about Jerry watching practices back in those days is that he he sort of boiled things down and, and would tell you guys, look, if you see this look, it's going to be A or B. Don't even think about C, D, or E. He he you know, his whole thing was to keep guys' minds from being cluttered so that you could you know you think of you think of one or two things and you play fast and you go you go that way. And I think uh I think if Steve Jackson I, I don't know his approach obviously as as a coach, but if you would imagine he was shaped by that to some degree if he uh if he can bring that same sort of approach to this uh this secondary group that that has been somewhat beleaguered after after this season that would make a big difference uh, if you ask me, don't you think? Yeah, because they need a change back there. You, there is no longer Kevin Byer to get guys set up. 
So Amani Hooker now is kind of taking that role, and that's something new for him. Uh, but when you look at this secondary, the way that they played the last couple of years, they've been pretty much dead last uh, in secondary play, and that's not going to make a great defense. And the thing that you want your defensive players, especially in the back half, you're the last line of defense. But you also want to make sure that you you know how to play what we call schemes. Schemes, what what that is, is that there's a probably about five plays or five formations that teams are not going to change. So somewhere on the line, you have to learn how to capitalize when you see those formations. And that's the good thing about Steve. When you when you are a former player, you can you can like pinpoint certain formations that and you say, listen, we're going to jump that. We're going to play it like that. You saw Ed Reed make a, a living out of not playing technique, but he would play formations and just jump things. And that's what you want to see. I don't want to see robots, David. I mean, we've kind of tired of that. And then, and once you can get those young guys in believing and set them up for success, I mean, listen, you don't know what can happen in that secondary room. They can take a huge leap forward. We talked earlier in this episode about uh, some of the absurd questions that pop up during media day at Super Bowl week. There was an, uh, an absurd quote that, that came out this week about former Titans coach Mike Vrabel, and we discussed this last week. Mike Vrabel is not, uh, is not going to be a head coach, might not be, looks like he might not be in the NFL at all this season. But, uh, but Diana Rossini of The Athletic, according to an anonymous source as a GM, told her, and and I've got this in front of me because I want to make sure I got this exactly right, and I quote, he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization, end quote. And that uh, that is part of the reason he doesn't have a job right now, according to Diana Rossini. John Glennon, is this one of the most absurd things you've ever heard, or or can there possibly be some truth to this? I I think that is uh, it is lunacy, uh, and I'm honestly surprised that. I mean, you know, it's not. We should be clear. It's not Diana Rossini, as you said uh, herself, who is saying this. It's it's a comment from an anonymous anonymous GM. But to me, maybe if if I'm hearing that from anonymous GM, I kind of laugh uh, to myself and and maybe cross that GM off future source list uh, for me right there. Um, what what I think that comment really means, I, I think, is, is that the whole Vrabel package is large. It's not just a large human being physically. It's a big personality that accompanies a big person uh, um, and, and a guy who is, you know, most of the time when he's in a room he is the focus of attention he's loud he's confident he has opinions uh not afraid to hurt people's feelings so when you say a large human being i I think it's more than the just the physical i I think it's the whole uh mike brable package that that might turn some people off but you know it's kind of funny too you know we, we talk about uh, kind of guys like this that maybe aren't as much in favor now in, in, the, in the NFL head coaches. But look, you know, when things are going well with those kind of guys, it's like, boy, what, what a strong figure Mike Brabel is. He's big. He's powerful. He stands up in front of us. Everybody respects him. It's a great thing. And then when things aren't going so well with the same guy, it's, well, he takes up too much oxygen. He's too much 
he's too much about himself. So, you know, to say that, that um, you know, Mike Vrabel's physical stature alone is intimidating, uh, I think that's absurd. I think we've had, had a lot of successful large coaches. Look at what Dan Campbell is doing right now in Detroit, for instance. Uh, I think it's more about the entire picture of, of Mike Vrabel, and maybe that's something that, that can be a little bit much for people and, and maybe needs to be trimmed down to size a bit more. I was going to say, Denard, you, you've been in NFL buildings. There's large people everywhere, right? I mean, that the, the, the players are large. Some of the, you know, the former players who are coaching or are scouts or in the front office are, are, are large. If you're, if you're intimidated by, by simply someone's size, you don't belong in an NFL building, right? I'm just trying to figure out who in the world would say something like yeah. this anonymous GM and not to mention, I, I would like to see this general manager and see how big he is. I want to be like a little guy, like five, six or five, seven. And let me tell you something, uh, whoever this anonymous GM, it, it's the people up at the hierarchy. Uh, they're the ones that uh, kind of create intimidations, the owners, uh, head coaches like uh, Mike Shanahan that are not about five, seven, I tell you what, they're the ones who pull weight, not the players. I, I've never heard anything like that before. That's absurd. Yeah, as I've thought about this Vrabel situation and, and how surprising it is to me that that he didn't land a job, there's, I'm struck by two things. One is that I think the teams that fire their coaches, you know, we make such a big deal out of Black Monday. I, I get the sense that those decisions are made well in advance of Black Monday. It, it, you know, there's not an owner who wakes up that day and says, "You know what? That wasn't the season I wanted. I'm going to fire my coach." They, 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 they made their minds up weeks ago, and they probably already started the process of vetting candidates. And and by the time by the time they make the decision of of who they who you know to fire somebody they already have a pretty clear sense of who they like and who they don't like and just look at the titan situation right i mean brian callahan was the you know he came in for his first interview and before the before the titans were halfway through their round of first interviews they were all there were already reports that callahan was getting a second interview so he was clearly that guy um and i think maybe the fact that most teams didn't expect probably mike Vrabel to be fired no one was thinking about him and they had already had their favorites by uh, by the time that they were actually quote unquote looking for a head coach and then two you know we've talked about it vrabel's not a guy who is who is good at hiding his emotions right he doesn't have a good poker face and if he is really if he was angry and bitter about uh, about being fired, which I I think he probably didn't expect it, it, it that that probably would have come across in interviews, or, or potentially could have come across in interviews, rather than him coming across as as an enthusiastic and, and energetic leader, and and that maybe a year off will will help him regain a little of that and get him juiced up. And to that end, there there have been reports now that. Uh, that or Luke Fickle apparently the head coach at University of Wisconsin and Mike Vrabel's best friend has said that he figures it's almost certain that Mike Vrabel will be around that program in some capacity this fall whether that's uh, an advisor and an analyst uh, you know what what exactly that is we don't know yet uh, John, do you, do you think being around a bunch of college kids will uh, will be good for him or, or will it be most helpful to be around Luke Fickle if that's uh, if that's where he ends up this fall. 
Yeah, I think I think both. One thing we should make clear: Luke Fickle is a man who is about six four, two hundred and sixty <laughs> pounds, the same as Brable. So he will clearly not be intimidated by by Mike Brable, which is which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, I think you know I, I, some of Fickle's comments. Uh, I think it was on a radio show, I, I believe, uh, when he talked about this. And and one of the things he said about um, uh, Rabel said when he when he talked to him on the phone. He sounded like a, like basically like a completely new guy. Uh, so it sounds like, you know, as you referenced, David, I'm sure there was some period of bitterness and frustration over over what was an unexpected firing. But, you know, in, in time, given another week or, or two, you know, maybe Mike Vrabel has, has gotten that out of his system uh, and is ready to go again. And we know this about Mike Vrabel. He has said it multiple times and and illustrates it very clearly on practice fields too he loves to teach he is he is a, a big time teacher uh and, and obviously you're doing a ton of that even more so in the college ranks uh than than you are in the in the nfl and if you can do it alongside your best friend you know your uh your your best man from your wedding your your college roommate man that sounds even better and let's not forget either that, that mike brabel when he was at ohio state was the Big Ten recruiter of the year one one year that he was there? So you know certainly old stomping grounds for for him uh, and a natural and that might just be just what he needs you know to serve and maybe and maybe it's not even like a, an actual coaching position because I'm sure he'd like to maybe leave himself a little bit of freedom for, for next year. But if it's like an advisory type role, uh, that that sounds to me exactly what what Mike Brabel might need for a year. Denard, for for college kids, if uh, if a NFL coach of the year from just a couple of years ago, a guy who has taken team to the NFC or to the AFC championship game, a guy who seemingly got the best of Bill Belichick in in terms of gamesmanship during the field, if he shows up in your meeting room or or on the practice field at, at Wisconsin, what how, how much attention would he command? You think from those youngsters? He would get a lot of attention the same way when he started out at Ohio State. Uh, you know, he was with linebackers coach, wasn't he? Under uh, under Urban Meyer. Yeah, there, Urban yes. Myers, yeah. So, I mean, imagine what you bring to the table for all of those young players. I mean, all of that experience. Imagine he, I mean, imagine a coach like Mike Vrabel showing up and, and, and bringing all of that experience from Ohio State back in the days. I mean, one of the greatest defensive players in All-American at Ohio State. Uh, from 90, what, 93, what, 93 to 96 with Luke Fekwell on that team, that Rose Bowl team that ended up beating Arizona State. I mean, that's so much experience for a young player. And it just, it, there's so much you can learn from a, a coach like Mike Vrabel. And you can also take the bad experiences. He's been fired. He's been at the top and the bottom. So, yeah, it it, uh, it seems like a, a sound thing if it works out that way. Of course, Madison, Wisconsin will be much colder than uh, than Nashville, Tennessee during the football season, but uh, but he'll have to have to deal with that. I, and I guess he would he would maybe treat it like a football season where he's he bounces back and forth between Nashville and Madison. I don't imagine he would relocate there full time for what looks like a, a, a temporary assignment. But uh, but we will see, and we will see how this coaching staff takes shape over the next week or so. Um, and we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on Sunday. Uh, all of that and more 
fair game for discussion next week. But that'll do it for this uh, edition of Believe in Titans. Denard Walker, thanks as always. Thank you. John Glennon, thank you. Thank you as well. And thank you to all of you out there. We will be back next week with another edition of Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.